Well, John chapter 10, as mentioned last week, uh, really provides a, a very endearing picture of our relationship with Jesus Christ and that it speaks of sheep under the faithful care of a loving shepherd. It is a tender, interpersonal relationship whereby Jesus comes to us, calls us by name, and leads us through life while we, in turn, follow Him and flee from all strangers. This is the gist of our Lord's parable from verses 1 through 6. Again, a passage that we considered together last week. Well, in verses 7 through 18, Jesus further explains this relationship, and He uses two distinct metaphors, two more of the seven I am sayings that are unique to the Gospel of John. He says in verse 7, I am the door of the sheep. And then in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. These are emphatic statements that reveal more of Christ's person to us and more of His divine purpose for our lives. Now today we'll consider the first of these, our Lord's claim to be the door of the sheep. Well, it's important to recognize that from verse 7 and following, Jesus is talking about a second sheepfold. Different from the fold mentioned earlier in verse 1. That fold, remember, was a community-type fold used by many shepherds that included sheep from many flocks. That fold is like the world, generally speaking, a world of people to whom Christ comes and from which He calls His own. And His own sheep then become part of a second fold, part of His distinct flock for whom He serves as the door. And that is, He is the way to the way of access to new life with God. And so, we find this reality at play here. And, and, and let's not miss this. Jesus not only enters the fold of our lives, but, us, but actually invites us to enter His. Jesus not only comes to us and enters the fold of our lives, as we saw in verses 1 through 6, but we also enter into His. We come into His care to delight in the abundance of His life. Life with God, which He gives to us and shares with us, as we will see, in generous uh, or in gracious generosity. That's the beauty of this great statement. You see, Christ enters by the door in coming to us, and He is the door through which we come to know God. It's a beautiful picture of Christ in me, and me in Christ. Well, a door is a very common but very important thing. All of us use doors all the time. We use a door to get into our home, 
to be with our loved ones. We use a door to get into our car to take us where we need to go. We use a door to get into our places of work and make a living. We use a door to get into our schools and classrooms to further our education. We use a door even to come into the church and worship the Lord together. For none of us here this morning is a door unimportant. A door is a passageway, a means of entrance that allows access into a desired location. And here, twice in these few verses, Jesus represents himself as the door. And believe me, this is the most important door that you can ever enter. He says in verse 7, I am the door of the sheep. And then again in verse 9, I am the door. In other words, He is the way. He is the means of admission. He is our entrance into God's flock, into His flock, into relationship with God in Christ. So this morning, I have five observations concerning this door and our being in Christ. Number one, the door pictures salvation. Jesus says plainly in verse 9, If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. So salvation is the first and greatest benefit of entering through this door. Saved in what sense, we might wonder. First, it's to be saved from something, which is usually what we think of when we, when we imagine salvation. We typically think of being rescued from peril, right? Biblically, the greatest peril from which we need rescue is our sin and separation from God. Not a single one of us is naturally born into God's family. We are not by nature among His people because we have a sin nature and our sins keep us from knowing God. So to be saved, as Jesus says here, is to be saved from our sins. We are saved from sin's penalty in that in Christ we are fully forgiven by God which the Bible calls justification, just as if I never sinned. We are saved from sin's power in that in Christ we are increasingly delivered from its grip and influence upon our lives, which the Bible calls sanctification. And we are saved from sin's presence in that in Christ, we know a day is coming when sin itself will be no more and our salvation will be complete. And the Bible calls this glorification. We are saved from sin's penalty, power, and presence. We are justified, sanctified, and glorified because we enter into fellowship with the sinless Savior who Himself paid sin's penalty and broke sin's power. 
and removes sin from us forever. But this is just one facet. Because salvation also speaks of being saved to. By being saved from sin's penalty and power and presence, we are simultaneously saved to the Savior, who in this passage is pictured as our good shepherd. I want you to see that not only is he good, but he actively shepherds us for our good. I want to encourage you this morning to remember both aspects of your salvation. The fact that you are saved from and saved to. You have entered into a new realm where life finds its meaning not in who you were, but in who you are in Christ. Not in what you do or don't do, but listen, in being with Jesus. Living in the fullness of your salvation is simply the winsome, wondrous knowledge of realizing the person, presence, and power of Christ in every detail of your life. Do you hear me this morning? Living in the fullness of your salvation. Living day by day in the fullness of your salvation is, is simply the, the winsome and wondrous knowledge of recognizing, realizing the person, presence, and power of Christ in every detail of your life. Life in Christ affects every aspect of life. From your marriage or your desire to be married to your parenting or your desire to be a parent to your health or when your health fails you to your work or when work gets hard or when there's hardly no work whatever the situation life in Christ is more than just a one-time declaration of faith it's far more than a momentary super spiritual experience. It is this sweet communion with the person of Christ. Oh Lord, you are here. It is an hour by hour awareness of the presence of Christ. Oh Lord, you are leading me. And it is this keen knowledge of the power of Christ. Yes, Lord, you have saved me, and you are saving me still. The door pictures salvation. And number two, the door pictures supervision. For some, I think the word supervision carries negative connotations. Chances are we've all had an experience with a supervisor that didn't go well. Maybe we've had a boss whose interest in us was really for themselves only. We were simply a means to an end of their choosing never truly valued 
and it grows very old very fast. But the supervision of the good shepherd is not like that. It is supervision in the purest, most noble sense of the word. It involves care and love and caring and loving management over your entire life. It is sovereign and sympathetic supervision. The shepherd cares for his flock always, whether the sheep are going in or out, notice in verse 9. Each day he leads them out to pasture and back into the fold at night. And when the shepherd would bring them back in as they entered the fold, he would stand in the doorway to inspect each sheep personally, one by one. He would tend to their wounds, if there were any, and anoint them with oil. He would care for their coat, removing any thorns or thistles. He would touch them and hold them and carry them if necessary. And after all the sheep were counted and safely inside, the shepherd himself would lay across the opening. He served as the door through which they passed in and out under his watchful eye. The door pictures supervision. Number three, the door pictures security. By laying across the opening, the shepherd effectively became the door, keeping the sheep safely within while protecting them from without. If any man or beast intended to harm the sheep, they had to first deal with the shepherd. You see, he put himself in harm's way for their good. Wasn't well, that what Jesus has done for us? Putting himself in harm's way for our good? For he who knew no sin became sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. He himself bore our sins on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. We are held secure today because of what Jesus has done and is doing for us. He paved the way through His life, death, and resurrection, and He is the way. He is the door through which we enter into glorious life with God, and He also guards the door from all intruders who seek to rob us of this great life. Later, in verses 27 and 28, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one, listen, no one can snatch them out of my hand. Loved ones, be assured, Jesus keeps safe all who come under his great care, and he secures them forever. But forever, listen, isn't future only. It's present, too. It's not just about when you die and go to heaven. It's about today as well. 
When Jesus says the sheep go in and out and find pasture, even this demonstrates how secure, how secure they are under their shepherd's care. They know he is there looking out for them, so they are free to come and go under his faithful watch. Listen, they have cast their cares on him because he cares for them. Upon entering the door that is Christ and the life of Christ, our focus turns from ourselves to Him. And this shift may seem small, but its effects are significant in that we are free to rest in the secure, all-satisfying care of our Good Shepherd. Do we need to stretch a little? Is the hour catching up to us? Hang with me. All right, do we need to stretch? We can do that. All right. The door pictures salvation, the door pictures supervision, the door pictures security. Number four, the door pictures satisfaction. That the sheep find pasture means they are assured of God's provision. And God's provision, notice, does not come to us in meager portions, but in abundant supply. Jesus is our supply. In verses 8 and 10, he contrasts himself with thieves and robbers who care nothing for the sheep, saying the thief comes only to steal and, and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Therefore, to be in Christ is to experience life beyond our wildest thought, true satisfaction that puts life into proper perspective and discovers God's great purposes for our lives. Listen, any good shepherd wants his flock to flourish, right? Any good shepherd wants his flock to flourish. He wants his sheep to thrive, and he's always working toward that end, whether when working with the individual sheep themselves or with the entire flock as a whole. Even when working to improve the ranch or the farm. The shepherd is thinking about the well-being of the sheep. Too many people assume that being a Christian is defined mainly by what you can't do. A life of self-denial only, but they misunderstand God's intent for self-denial. And it's not that God is keeping us from good things, but that when we let go of our self-centered tendencies, it's then that we discover God's best. When we let go, when we turn from our way to go the way of Christ, when we enter through that door, it's then we enter into a whole new understanding of life and its greater meaning. You see, Jesus calls us to a life that is much bigger than ourselves. Life is too important, people. 
and too wonderful to squander on ourselves. God has made us in His image, and therefore only, only by coming into harmony with His will can we ever attain to, to the fullness He intends. It's when we are aligned to His aspirations and pursue His priorities that we ever achieve even, even a fraction of our potential, our problem is that we settle too easily. And we're too easily satisfied with lesser things. Our problem is that we focus on ourselves only. We're consumed with only our problems. We see only our interests. We give ourselves only to our ambitions. But the person We've met these people. We know these people. The person who finds life full and rewarding and deeply satisfying is the person who has given him or herself to something much greater than self. So Christ, our shepherd, invites us to go in and out to wide, broad pastures It's an all-satisfying life, but it requires that we leave behind the barren land of self-indulgence. Jesus teaches elsewhere, whoever loses his life for my sake shall surely find it. Which leads us to number five. The door pictures surrender. You need to notice that Jesus does not call himself a door, but the door. He's not one of many options. He is the only option. Entrance into relationship with God comes by way of this door only. Jesus is stressing that he is the one and only through whom we must enter Just as he will later declare, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. This isn't an all roads lead to heaven approach, but a divine claim of exclusivity. The exclusive claim of Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, to call forth his own sheep. And consider for a moment who he was speaking to when he made this claim. It was the Pharisees and all the others who gathered around. He was talking directly with these religious leaders, continuing their discussion from the end of chapter 9. They had continually rebuffed him and refuted him and rejected him. They continually turned people against him. And later, verse 19, some of them accuse him of demonic possession, even of insanity. And yet, even to them, he made this call. If anyone enters by me, he said. Anyone. Anyone, notice, is welcome to to enter through this door. Meaning, that life with God isn't reserved for a certain kind of person only, but is available to any and all persons who in responding to the call of Christ, enter through Him. Admission, hear this, 
admission through this door is not about how good of person you think you are or aren't. It's not about how religious you think you are or aren't. It's not about how worthy or unworthy you deem yourself to be. It's not even about what you've thought of Christ or what you've said of Christ or how you've behaved toward Christ up to this point in your life. Jesus makes clear that He is the door that opens to a whole new way of living, a whole new life. And we are to enter this door. That's our part. Not stand before it. Not sit outside it. Listen, not even to knock on it. We're to enter. We're to enter through this door. And to enter through this door is to desire what's on the other side. Which is life with God in Jesus Christ. By entering this door, you need to know this. By entering this door, you are leaving behind your old ways to experience new life in Him. For if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. And anyone can enter in response to Christ's call so long as they do so in glad surrender to him. So in closing, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. It's the second time in this chapter that Jesus begins with the words, truly, truly. These are words of emphasis intended to call our attention to what's being said. He's saying, come, listen, pay attention, pay close attention so that you will understand and respond accordingly. Maybe you have yet to respond to Jesus personally. Maybe you look over the court, you look back over the course of your life and you realize you have yet to respond to Jesus Christ personally. It's not enough that your friend has entered this door, that your parent has entered this door, that your spouse has entered this door. The call of Christ is that you would enter this door. And you hear his voice this morning. Speaking to you through the word of God, it's a call and calm and, and confident voice calling you to come to the door and enter in. He offers and he avails himself to you, and I want to assure you there is nothing on your side of the door more worthy, more valuable, more precious than what lies within. Enter. Enjoy. Do not ride the fence. 
They can't have one foot on one side of the door and another foot on the other. This requires a decisive step of faith to follow Christ from this day forward. Maybe you're a Christian already, at least in the general sense of the word, but you've grown distant from Christ. You know what I mean. You're wayward. Oh, maybe not in the outward sense as we think of prodigals, but, but deep within, in the recesses of your heart, you're wayward. And you're walled off in that you've built walls around your own heart. Your love for Jesus isn't what it once was. And this morning you sense Christ maybe knocking on your door. And if that's you, remember these words, his words to the church of, in Laodicea. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and be with him and he with me. And so maybe the action required of you today as you sit before Jesus this morning is not only to enter through his door, but to allow his entrance through yours. For our life in Christ is one where we go to him daily in repentance and the ongoing exercise of faith and we receive from him daily all that we need all the time. The door pictures salvation, supervision, security, satisfaction, and surrender. And the sublime beauty of these few verses that Jesus not only enters our lives but but that we can also enter His. He enters by the door in coming to us, and He is the door through which we come to Him. Will you go to Him this morning? Enter by Him. Be saved to Him. Go in and out. And enjoy these wide, broad pastures. And experience all satisfying new life in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Father God, we thank you. We thank you, Father, for placing this call upon our life that we might indeed enter this door that is Jesus Christ. Father, may we remember and rejoice in our great salvation this morning, remembering what we've been saved from and to. Would we rest in our Lord's supervision, knowing that we can cast every care upon Him, for He cares 
so faithfully for us. Would we find strength to know that we are secure in His hands, that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Lord, teach us to to seek our satisfaction in, in the one who is most satisfying, to leave these barren lands of self-indulgence and go to, to find pasture in the life of God. And the Lord, help us each day to surrender ourselves to, to this one who has given himself to us in love. We praise you this morning for Jesus Christ and that we might have the privilege to be numbered among his flock. We bless you for his name's sake. Amen.